1: Welcome to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. I believe that one of the most valuable gifts you can give yourself is time. Taking time to be more fully present. Your journey to become more inspired and connected to the deeper world around us starts right now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to week six of our New Earth series. I am thrilled about this material. This is a book that's always on my nightstand. So that's what's so exciting about this material. Eckhart always meets you where you are. So last time, he introduced us to the concept of the pain body. It's an accumulation of all the pain and negativity from our past, the stuff that's really hard to let go of. Simply put, your emotional baggage. According to Eckhart, though, the pain body is the source of all the friction in our lives. We all carry our own to one degree or another. For some people, it's stronger than others. And we've all met people with some heavy, heavy, heavy pain bodies. But the good news is you can free yourself from the pain body. After all, Chapter 6 is called Breaking Free. So today we explore what triggers that pain body and how we can begin to free ourselves from its grip. We're also going to look at how the pain body affects children, how you pass it on. So parents, you don't want to miss this. Let's get to it. Open up your books. Here's A New Earth, Chapter 6. Welcome again, Eckhart Tolle. Thank you. Thank you. One of the things that we both look forward to every week is the energy that we feel from all of you out there. I consider this to be a sacred moment when we can all come together and in community this way, and share in this work. So wherever you are right now, I thank you. Eckhart Tolle thanks you for awakening with us. One of my other favorite books is a book that Eckhart Tolle had written, um, I don't know how many years ago. couple uh, A few years ago. A few years ago. And it's a little book with wonderful passages in it. And it's called Stillness Speaks. It really speaks to, just on a different level, what we've been talking about in New Earth. It says, stillness is your essential nature. What is stillness? The inner space or awareness in which the words on this page are being perceived and become thoughts. Without that awareness, there would be no perception, no thoughts, no world. You are that awareness disguised as a person. I just love that, that you are the awareness. That's what we've been saying week after week here is that you're not your thoughts. You are the awareness of your thoughts. Yes. Disguised as a person.
2: Yes. And you're not your sense perceptions. You are the awareness that makes all sense perception possible. You're not your emotions. You're the awareness that makes all these emotions possible. So that's the, and that's the dimension where you are timeless. Everything else is time.
1: So when you lose touch with your inner stillness, you lose touch with yourself. When you lose touch with yourself, you lose yourself in the world. Your innermost sense of self, of who you are, is inseparable from stillness. This is the I am that is deeper, the name and form. You are the awareness disguised as a person. Yes. All right, that is beautiful. So everybody, we're discussing chapter 6, Breaking Free. Let's start with an overview of what this chapter is really about. In chapter 5, as you all know, we met the pain body. And that's, uh, we all know what that is, that part of us that's addicted to negativity and unhappiness. And Eckhart says that the beginning of freedom from the pain body lies, first of all, in the realization that we all have a pain body. That was Chapter 5. We did that last week. Now in Chapter 6, we're going to explore what triggers the pain body in our everyday lives and whether it's a situation or certain things other people do or say. Eckhart shows us how that we can uh, actually use those triggers to enter a more heightened state of awareness. And also, This chapter is about breaking free of the pain body so you don't have to continually carry the past and everything that happened in the past and what people did to you, your story. Um, You can release that. Tonight is about breaking free. At the beginning of the chapter on page 162, you say that when you disidentify with the pain body, the energy that was trapped in the pain body, you say, then changes itself, its vibrational frequency and is transmuted into presence. In this way, the pain body becomes fuel for consciousness. This is why many of the wisest, most enlightened men and women on our planet once had a heavy pain body, you say. So what I wanted to ask is that so many people today medicate themselves any uncomfortable feelings that you have, you go to a psychiatrist or counselor, remember, the first thing they do is prescribe medication for you. Does medication get in the way of uh, using the pain body as fuel for enlightenment?
2: Uh, To a large extent, it does. There may be certain extreme cases when medication is necessary. And for people who already are on medication, it's certainly not advisable to go off medication without the advice of a doctor. So if you feel that it's time for you to get off, talk to a doctor who is relatively conscious and can help you gradually to uh, get off the medication. So it's really a question of not giving in to this culturally conditioned behavior that says whenever you feel some discomfort inside yourself, or emotional disturbance, immediately to seek some external help in the form of a substance, that you ask your doctor to give you, rather learn to be with inner discomfort that arises, learn to be with emotional pain that arises, rather than wanting to eliminate it, uh, learn to accept it. Acceptance is one of the main uh, focal points of this teaching. Learn to accept whatever emotion arises in you rather than run away from it or wanting to eliminate it but
1: why this is the thing eckhart why would i want to accept it that's why people are medicating themselves yes that's why people eat they gamble they overwork themselves they are live in denial they become unconscious because they don't want to deal with the pain that's what we're all trying to get away from yes pain
2: yes now if you medicate it it doesn't actually go away it dulls the pain so that you are not conscious of it anymore. It's still there in the background. It's the same thing for many illnesses. The, uh, for example, I had a heavy cold uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yes. I didn't take anything, but some people take things to, so that the symptoms are suppressed of the right. cold. It doesn't suppress the cold. It, the cold is still there. So why accept it? It's because it is here at this moment So it's part of bringing this inner yes to whatever arises in the present moment. It is part of becoming friendly with the present moment, even if on the surface, the present moment doesn't look that great. So we are bringing, and this is where the awareness begins to come into the emotion. If we bring acceptance to whatever we feel at this moment, rather than not wanting to feel it, The equivalent of that would be an external situation that arises and then I resist it because I don't want this situation to be as it is, but it already is.
1: And then you just cause stress. And that's what you say in this book and also in The Power of Now, wanting something to be different than it is is what causes stress.
2: And creates further negative emotion. If there's some emotion in you that is not pleasant and then you don't want to be feeling what you feel, creates on top of the emotion that's already there, another negative emotion that wants to deny what's there.
1: So the best thing to do is to feel it, accept it, allow the feeling to do whatever it's going to do to you, make you feel sad or angry or upset or whatever, and then choose to do something about that.
2: Yes. Or Or not. Yes, realize first that you are the awareness for that emotion. You are the space for it. You are the awareness disguised as a person. You are not the emotion. You not are the, the awareness. Emotion. Okay. Uh, so then already a shift has happened because if you completely identify with the emotion, then the emotion will very quickly rise into your mind and it will control your thinking. So. And
1: you will think it's you. Yes. Yeah. You will think it's. So you. So you
2: will be identified with the emotion. Let's yeah. say it's anger that arises. Yes. A slight trigger triggers enormous anger, and immediately you start to think angry thoughts. Correct. Or if it's sadness or depression, you immediately start to think thoughts that reflect the emotion. And the pain body loves that because the pain body will feed on the energy of your thinking. That's right. And once you're trapped in the vicious circle between emotion and emotional thinking, when all the self-talk in your head, that is everybody experiences most of the time, self-talk in the head then becomes the voice of the pain body that mm-hmm. is talking in your head. And then all your interpretations of other people, of events, will be totally distorted and very negative.
1: Because you say at the bottom of page 162, when you realize that pain bodies unconsciously seek more pain, that is to say they want something bad to happen, you will understand that many traffic accidents are caused by drivers whose pain bodies are active at the time. Mm. When two drivers with active pain bodies arrive at an intersection at the same time, the likelihood of an accident is many times greater than under normal circumstances. So is it always the pain body that attracts accidents and other bad things? No, no,
2: no. that's no. just one factor that is often there, but there are many other factors that could attract an accident. Uh, many people are not not fully present when they drive,
1: Well, Dave is from Madison, Wisconsin. Dave, thank you for joining us.
3: Hi, Oprah. Hi, Ecker. Hi. Your question is? First off, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you to both of you. You are welcome, welcome, Uh. welcome. (laughs) (laughs) My question is, when my wife and I have a disagreement, she comes back hours or days later wanting to rehash that disagreement, and she always feels there has to be a wrong or a right to it. How can I get her to live in the present and get the ego out of the way?
2: Now, you need to see what is your role when you have disagreements at home. Uh, I assume that your wife has a pain body that Mm -hmm. becomes active at that time. And when you have disagreements, uh, is your pain body also a contributing factor at home or do you feel that it is just your wife's pain body? How, in other words, how do you feed into, what is your part in the disagreement and in the energy field there?
1: Yeah, how are you playing into the drama of it, Dave? Uh
3: I I don't play into the drama of it and that seems Uh to initially increase it more on her behalf. (laughs) and then but lately after going through the book um i find that i look for a a single thing um her eyes are beautiful and i just think of those and i take to a different place inside myself and it seems that it kind of it just diminishes on her behalf then
2: now, when you disagree or you have an argument, uh, that means to some extent uh, you must be identified with a mental position, and because if you don't have a mental position that you identify with, there is no argument. Correct. Uh, so That's
1: why I said, hmm, today. This, yes, so yes,
2: this is why Oprah was a little bit uh, skeptical, skeptical yes. when you were talking. So it's perhaps uh, before we talk about your wife. Maybe there's something that you can do so that you let go of identification with mental positions when you discuss things. Mm -hmm. You can still discuss the practicality of certain things that you need to talk about, but don't become identified with a mental position of rightness that makes you right. And because that is what the ego thrives on and that is what feeds the pain body. Whenever you it, it,
1: identify with anything, it be, it's the ego.
2: Yes, That's whatever what you identify with becomes ego. Mm-hmm. So uh, perhaps bring more vigilance into, especially sit- when you see a situation is developing that is going, going to become an argument. Or you can see that the, the pain body in your wife is becoming active again. And then it's a, it's a time of being particularly alert and vigilant inside yourself, so that you do not get drawn into opposing her in any way.
1: And even, Dave, the reason why I said hmm and was skeptical because of what Eckhart just said, if I may reiterate, if you are, if there's no drama involved at all with you, if you just become peace, then the argument has to dissolve. Like the woman, the story that he tells in the book of the woman who came and was so upset and carrying all the papers and the bills and so forth. And as he sat there just listening, taking it in, she finally said, this doesn't really matter, does it? And left and went home. You remember that? Yeah. And I understand what you're talking about because often um, when you start reading this material and you start you know, to awaken yourself, we become a little self-righteous about it, you know? Mm -hmm. So perhaps maybe there's a little bit of that still remaining with you where you want to say, I am so... Because I know this happened with Stedman and myself. We're in a a discussion and I'm feeling, well, I am very awakened. I'm a very evolved person. So what you're saying is is not going to upset me, but that attitude, the energy of that, my ego and my self-righteousness is what contributed to the drama. You see what I'm saying? I do. Yeah,
3: I do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Your,
1: your need to be right or your need to feel yeah. like, you know, I'm a little bit more superior because I'm not engaging in this and you are. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. yes. So that's then uh, alertness and vigilance is very important on your part.
1: I think what you just said here is so important for every one of us who's, uh, who's trying to continue to awaken to this process, that whenever there's an argument or disagreement, the thing is, is to not, to, and, and it's a, not to ever make it about the other person, even though it seems to be. Mm-hmm. The question is not, what can I do for my wife, for my partner, for my boss, for my coworker, but it is, what can I do in the situation?
2: Yes, right. that's, that's, that's always. What is
1: my contribution to it?
2: That's right, that's yeah. primary. And then uh, your wife, I don't know whether she uh, has any interest in. A spiritual teaching or the pain body? Have you ever mentioned to her the pain body? Not while there's a pain body attack happening, but when the pain because body is... Because
1: you said nobody hears you when you no, say No,
2: because when you, you cannot talk to the pain body about the pain body, yeah. uh, the, the, that was actually dangerous because the pain body will throw something at you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh. So the, is How your, long, does your, your wife, <laughs> uh, what?
1: I love it when you get tickled. Go ahead.
2: I know pain bodies. So the, <laughs> <laughs> so the, is, is your wife sometimes relatively more open to this than at other times, or is she always not open to this in your view?
3: She's not open to it to this point, but when I was running off the sheets for this week's class, She picked him up uh, out of the printer and she read him over and she said, hmm, you're talking about me. (laughs) So maybe that opens the book. Yes, yes, yes.
1: opens the door. Dave, thanks so much for your question. Thanks so much.
3: Thank you. Thank you.
1: Well, many acts of violence, you say on page 163, are committed by normal people who temporarily turn into maniacs. Does this mean that you think people are not responsible for what they do when possessed by the pain body?
2: No, that's what I say. They are not responsible. As we mentioned Jesus on the cross when he said, they know not what they do, Mm -hmm. meaning they are so unconscious. They are in the grip of an energy field Mm -hmm. which they cannot control. They don't even know that they are in the grip of this energy field because it has taken complete possession of them. So in that sense, I say they are not responsible, which does not mean that they do not suffer the consequences of their actions. Mm-hmm. So it almost looks like a little bit of a paradox. Yes, no, they are not responsible. Nevertheless, karmically, they will suffer the consequences of their unconsciousness because uh-huh. human beings are, our purpose is to evolve into conscious beings. So if we are not evolving into conscious beings, then we suffer. Right. The less. Clo- the more closed we are to this evolutionary impulse of evolving into conscious being, of fl- the flowering of consciousness, right. the more closed we are to this, the more we suffer. And so, these people who inflict violence on others, who make others suffer, also make themselves suffer, and they suffer the consequences karmically. And sometimes the karmic consequences come in the form of the legal system. So they, the police. Right. They are put away and so that represents for them at that time karma. And then there's always a possibility when they are in deep suffering because of something that they did in a state of complete unconsciousness, when they then are in deep suffering, perhaps in prison, whatever they may be there's always the possibility then of awakening through the suffering that they inflicted on themselves, on others also.
1: Because you say on page 164, when you can't stand the endless cycle of suffering anymore, you begin to awaken. So the pain body too has its necessary place in the larger picture. There are a lot of people who never awaken. They just, you know, the pain body just, they die with it.
2: Yes, that is true. Uh, then there's always a chance that the unawakened consciousness awakens in some other form in some Uh other situation so but the entire universe is going in that direction of Awakening. awakening so it is The more we are open to this... Because we
1: have to. Are we we going to die?
2: Yes, as the human species now, uh, the the impulse, the awakening impulse has been there for a million years, longer. But for us now, we have arrived at this critical point where humanity, if humanity does not embrace this new state of consciousness, the awakened state, then humanity is not going to make it. On a cosmic scale, even that doesn't matter, and whatever gain there has been achieved in the awakening of conscience on this planet is not going to be lost. There's only one consciousness throughout the entire universe, and that one consciousness is awakening in millions and billions of life
1: And so if we don't survive as a human species?
2: That's not the greatest tragedy either. In relatively speaking, it is tragic, but in absolute terms, that's fine too.
1: Yeah, and it's really, it's our decision.
2: Yes, yes. The, uh, the fact that we are here at this very moment engaged in this work this is a very good yeah, sign. It's a sign. It, it, because here, at least we know that at right now, here, the awakening is happening.
1: Yeah. Don't go anywhere. More to come after this short break.
0: No two travelers are exactly alike, and that means no two trips should be either. Texas' vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities allow for an infinite number of different travel experiences. Are you a beach person? Well, you'll be having fun under the sun with Texas' 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies can't get enough of Texas' world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music. Visit internationally recognized art museums and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a -a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters, yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. Did you know that it's Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month? Shop Asian American and Pacific Islander owned brands at Macy's.com or in store. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts.
1: For the hundreds of thousands of people who are joining us around the world. Yes. Danielle, who's joining us now from Ireland. Hi, Danielle.
4: Hi, Oprah. Hi, Akash. Hi. My question's about ego, and I'm just going to read it out. Um, I've been practicing trying to stay in the present moment for over three years now, but I've come to some sort of block, because my ego keeps on telling me, if you get rid of your ego, you will lose the world as you know it. You will lose your relationships with the friends you've built built up for years, and you want to give up your career you've worked so hard for, and you'll be isolated from the rest of society, because they are all living in ego. How can I overcome this?
2: Thank you.
1: Excellent question.
2: (laughs) Now, uh, as you may have noticed, uh, these are thoughts that uh, arise in your mind uh, these thoughts that arise in your mind are telling you something now uh, what these thoughts are saying may be very far from the truth what the thoughts that if you awaken if you become really present you're going to lose your friends mm-hmm. life is not going to be fun anymore mm-hmm. uh, You have to see, is that the truth or are these just thoughts that my egoic mind is producing in order to stop me from being present? Do I believe in those thoughts or do I believe in first-hand evidence that I have? Because if you've been practicing being present, then you realize it's actually quite joyful to be fully open to the present moment. It doesn't take away from the fun of being alive. It actually makes you more intensely alive when you are fully present in the now rather than always looking to some next moment that's going to be better than this one. This is how most of the world lives. So you, I'm sure you've already had glimpses or more than glimpses of how the quality of your life actually becomes enhanced through being fully present to life now, because life is now. So, and your mind is, is, please, a question? Oh no,
4: I definitely have, um, but I think it's just the ego keeps on sweeping in, or else you'll be in a situation where your friends expect you to act the same way that you've always acted, like in ego. Like your your friendship, a lot of friendships are kind of, uh, are bound through ego.
5: Yes. You know,
4: it's your personality, and you know, you'll try and be in the present moment, and then they'll be like, come on, come on, you know, Let's go and do something, you know, which is obviously trying to escape from the present moment. But isn't it
1: true, Danielle, when you come to the state where you feel more alive and awakened and willing to be more present with yourself, that that means you might have to let go of some of the things that used to bring you uh, a false sense of happiness, that maybe the same people you used to hang around with and do things with who are not, you know, ready to follow your path or not willing to be a part of some of the things that you now recognize that matter, mm-hmm. maybe it means letting some of those friends go. That's, that's the whole point.
2: Maybe yeah. just a comment on yes. this. Um, uh, usually what happens when people become more present, uh, some of their friends are actually drawn into that also because it, whatever state you're in will affect the people around you. So usually it happens that some of your friends will actually join you and also grow in presence and awaken and others may drop away who are not ready yet. Mm-hmm. That is mm-hmm. that is usually the case. So, the um, and the, your career does actually can only improve because the quality of anything that you do in full presence is so much greater and right. there's so much power available to you that is not there when you're always looking to some
1: If you're if you're on track <clears throat> I used to run track and if you just take the moment to look back and see where the other guy is that energy is so draining yes and causes you to lose your own footing Yes. And lo- lose your own concentration and focus. Yes. So that's what you're saying.
2: Yes. And that's also put the, this, this sense that you're competing against others is part of the ego energy. That's right. And that also takes power away.
1: That's right. Instead of just run the race. Yes. Run your own race. Yes. Now, what's the best way for us to sense the pain body? It's very e- Thank you so much, Danielle, joining us from yeah. Dublin.
4: Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you.
1: It's very easy for all of us to spot the pain body in other people. And I've yes. actually heard the word come up many times this week. Ooh, that <laughs> oh, that was his pain body. That was his pain body. So uh, thanks for introducing it to our culture. Um, so it's easy to see it in other people. What's the best way, number one, to spot it in yourself? And how do you stop ourselves from acting out when we're in its grip? Are there simple you know, exercises mm. or... Yeah. Something we can do to break the grip when you feel yourself going there?
2: Yes. So the important thing is to c- catch it as it first arises in the first, because before it takes over your mind mm-hmm. when it's there as an emotion. And usually it's the pain body when the emotional reaction is out of proportion to the triggering event. So a relatively minor thing triggers an enormous. Amount of unhappiness in yeah. whatever form.
1: That's right. A small thing happens and you flare up. Yes.
2: Yeah. Yes. And so then, uh, and after a while, you realize the kind of situation that triggers your pain body, and then you can be actually more vigilant when such a situation happens. So, and you can see very important thing is to be able to to have some attention inside your body if you're able to bring consciousness into the body you can more easily feel an arising emotion inside you whether it's a very heavy emotion of sad deep sadness or whether it's a, a fiery emotion of anger or whatever it is or the emotion of intense fear that contraction, the, then you can... There's so many people these days who are completely out of touch with their emotions because they li- live only in the, in the head. head.
1: Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah uh, it's... Uh, so being able to feel an emotion as it arises and then recognizing it as the beginning of the pain body, my pain body. Mm-hmm. And as long as you know this is the pain body, you are not identified with it because the knowing is the awareness. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you, if you can catch it early on, and then it may still grow, you should, suddenly the, the fear, fear may become very intense or the anger or whatever form the pain body takes, but you will be there as the awareness in the background while it happens. And one thing that then doesn't happen is that the pain body cannot control your thinking because you're shining the light of consciousness on it. It cannot then creep into your mind and suddenly make your mind think what it wants to think. Mm-hmm. So remain there as the awareness for it and say, oh, there's the pain body. Then it cannot renew itself and it also cannot control your behavior, your actions. All it is that you have contained it, not through holding it down, but you have contained it there through your presence. Okay, And then it can't renew itself through in that situation. So it suddenly, it comes up but it cannot renew itself. And then it will subside again. Uh, no, but the pain body being very clever, it will then wait for a more suitable opportunity when you are less conscious than at that moment. And then it will come It will try pain. again. And for example. So it's like you're
1: always being tested.
2: Yes. The yeah. pain body is like a little little wild animal or something. It's always, it's there in the background saying, OK, what's the, can I, am I going to come out now? Or is it? The situation is not, not right, he's too conscious. Is
1: the pain body also your ego, Eckhart?
2: The, the pain body is an as, the emotional aspect of ego. Mm-hmm. So the, when you identify with the pain body, it becomes part of the ego, because okay. whatever you identify with becomes part of the ego. When you don't identify with it, it's no longer a part of the ego. All
1: right, because what you identify with is the ego. Yes. I like this question from Lorraine from Vancouver, British Columbia who writes, I attract negativity. It seems that my whole world is one big fight. I just want people to stop instigating fights with me. I don't deliberately go out and begin uh, conflict, but it comes to me. I hate it. I just want peace. What's the problem? Uh Uh Isn't that interesting?
2: Yes. 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 Now, this is uh, whatever you experience uh, repeatedly and frequently externally is a reflection of your inner state.
1: Hmm.
2: So you attract certain things into your life that reflect your state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. So for uh, Lorraine, it's it's very important to become much more aware of whatever state she is in at any given moment. Become more aware of what emotion she is feeling at any given moment.
1: Because Lorraine could not be attracting fights. And That's, conflict. Yeah. Unless she was emanating that energy. Y- yes. And you say on 162, every human being emanates an energy feel that corresponds to his or her inner state. Most people can sense it, although they may feel someone else's energy emanation only subliminally. That is to say, they don't know that they sense it, yet it determines to a large extent how they feel about and react to that person.
2: Yes. Yeah. And So there are two aspects to the your inner state. There's the emotional aspect to your inner state. What is the energy of the emotion that you feel and there's the mental aspect what kinds of thoughts are you is your mind producing at this moment as your mind producing negative thoughts what what kind of thoughts so you need to be there as the awareness become aware of what what is that I feel right now? What is my state at this moment? That's a good question to ask yourself. What's my inner state at this moment? At
1: the moment that somebody uh, instigates a fight with her,
2: <clears throat> no, no, normal moments when you're not being challenged. Okay, because all these accumulate. Your normal state of consciousness eventually produces some external event. Mm-hmm. So, at as much as possible in any on, in any situation. It's always more important what your inner state of conscience is than the external situation. Got it. Uh, the external situation is always secondary. Uh, so what's, what am I feeling now and what am I thinking now? These are the important questions. So become an alertness then arises. And you become suddenly realize, what's my mind saying? Mm-hmm. What's, what's Most of the day, what kind of thoughts is my mind producing? How many negative thoughts do I have every hour, every minute? You become aware, particularly of, because the ego loves negative thinking.
1: And so that those, you what you're saying then, it would be impossible for Lorraine to be a peaceful person, to say she says here, I just want peace. What's the problem? It would be impossible to just be a peaceful person, minding your own business, having peaceful, loving thoughts, and people want to pick a fight with you all the time.
2: Yes, that's not would not be possible. So it's. Uh, there's something in her that she needs to become aware of, mm-hmm. and that's not her true self. It's a form of conditioning. Her right. true self is the awareness, which is already perfect. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with who mm-hmm. she is in her essence. Be vigilant as much as possible. Have maybe put little little signs at home, little little uh, um, reminders, so that you remember to be conscious of what's going on inside me. What's going on inside me? Very important question.
1: What's going on inside me? What
2: thoughts is my mind thinking? Yes. What is it that I'm feeling right now?
1: I wanted to go back to page 162 again, uh, where you say every human being emanates an energy field that corresponds to his or her inner state. And most people can sense it, although they may feel somebody else's energy emanation only subliminally. That is to say, they don't know that they sense it, yet it determines to a large extent how they feel about and react to that person. I had an encounter with somebody recently where their energy thing was so strong, I walked into the room and felt it so strong, I had to remove myself from the room. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Some people are most clearly aware of it when they first meet someone, even before any words are exchanged." That's what had happened there. A little later, however, I love this part. A little later, however, words take over the relationship, and with words come the roles that most people play. Attention then moves to the realm of mind, and the ability to sense the other person's energy field becomes greatly diminished. Nevertheless, it is still felt on an unconscious level. And that's why Kids can sense it, little kids yeah. can sense it because they don't have the words or the language. Yes. Isn't that true?
2: Yes, and animals can sense it And too. animals can sense it too. Yes. very acutely because they, they don't have the conceptual mental realm, so they can feel much more, more acutely a human energy field.
1: That's right, and after they're introduced to you, your title means nothing to them. No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so your title or your position or your label. The role that you're playing means nothing to them. No. So once they sniff you and they don't like you, (laughs) they don't like you. (laughs) Well, uh, on page 170, you talk about children and you say, suppressed pain bodies are extremely toxic, even more so than openly active ones. And that psychic toxicity is absorbed by the children and contributes to the development of their own pain bodies. So people who are, I think about this all the time, arguing in their families, when you argue in front of your children, I remember this, the little girl said, when my mommy and daddy argue, I go and, I go and hide under the covers. When you argue in front of your children, yes. you are creating and reinforcing their pain bodies.
2: Yes, I did that as a child. I was always trying to hide from my parents' pain body, which was there a lot of the time active. So that's one way is when there's an active confrontation when the parents having a confrontation with their mutual pain bodies. It shocked
1: us when you said you started thinking of killing yourself when you were at a very young age, nine or ten, because of your parents.
2: Uh, Yes, that was the general um, environment that I was in. I I perceived it as... uh, um Extremely unpleasant, there was the environment of my parents, and there was not that they were not loving parents, but they both had heavy pain bodies. Mm-hmm. I loved them, but i they, I didn't know at the time why that was continuous conflict. I mm-hmm. just knew it was dreadful to be around them and of course, I was also unhappy at school because I never liked the having to study things that i didn't wasn't interested in and mm-hmm. it, it wasn't done in an interesting way so mm-hmm. um, so yes so the the children then absorb one way they absorb the pain body from their parents is when there's open conflict between the parents pain bodies but another way is also when parents some parents say we mustn't fight in front of the children and nevertheless right. there, there's an intense emotional negativity they may not be saying anything but there's an emanation of intense Negativity in the parents. That's
1: right. I know a couple stayed together 24 years in, in order until the, all the, the last child was grown and had gone to college. All the children are completely messed up, yeah. you know, from one problem after another problem drugs and drinking and all kinds of problems because the children stayed in that house and absorbed all the energy yes. that was in that house. Yes. Yeah.
2: And sometimes it's the case if the parents repress that right. because they don't want to fight in front of the children or they may have an image of themselves as religious and they uh-huh. mustn't... That's right. And so they, they are not even, reco- not even admitting to themselves, perhaps, that there's intense right. negativity. And then the children grow up in that. And sometimes it's then
1: the children who are forced to act it out in the world. That's right. <clears throat> and the, the interesting about that, when you try to repress it, when you're not... Uh, fully realizing the truth of who you are, and you say the truth of who you are will set you free, when you allow the repressed bad energy to go on in the household, the energy is still there. It goes back to what I was saying on page 162. Yes. The, the energy is always there. Yes. And children more so than even adults, who do, children who don't have the language for it, pick up on the energy.
2: Yes, yes. That's
1: and right. often blame themselves because they don't have the language to explain. Yes okay
0: this episode is brought to you by pnc bank something should be boring like banking boring is safe and reliable you don't want your bank to be entertaining entertaining is for podcasts with inspiring celebrity guests not banks pnc bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life pnc bank brilliantly boring since 1865 brilliantly boring since 1865 is the service mark of the pnc financial services group inc PNC Bank, National Association, member FDIC.
5: There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a co-worker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work
1: So We'll go to a caller on this topic from uh, Melbourne, Australia. Hello. She has a 10-year-old daughter. Her name is Wendy. Wendy, hi. Hi, Oprah. Hi, Eckhart. Hi. hi.
2: hi.
1: Um, I have a
6: question. Eckhart, on page 178, you state that someone who in childhood was neglected abandoned by one or both parents will likely develop a pain body that becomes triggered in any situation that resonates even remotely with their primordial pain of abandonment. So I see this pain in my 10-year-old daughter whose father no longer sees her and hasn't really had much of a relationship with her. And my question is, how do I help her through her feelings of abandonment? And how do I guide her through people-pleasing behavior? Because I notice she has a strong tendency to people please just to be accepted or liked. I would really love some help on this one as I'm often at a loss on on how to help her through it.
2: Can you give an an example of how this, uh, what you see as... uh a sense of abandonment how it manifests in her now and what could, uh, uh, can can you give a situation where this happens uh how does she behave in such a situation
1: well
6: often uh, there's been occasions when they have little parties at school and and children get invited and if she's one of the kids that's excluded because obviously not everyone gets invited to everyone's birthday party she's so traumatized by it. She cries and she doesn't understand and she comes and she says they don't like her or they don't love her. And then she'll try to often buy their friendship. She'll take things to them. You know, take gifts or take egg, Easter eggs lately and things like that. And I just think, oh, how do I, how do I get her through this? You know, well, she wants to be liked all the time. and She wants approval.
2: Uh-huh. So but your child... It's
6: a, it's a case of intense tears and trauma
2: she is now 10 years old 10 years old yes yes perhaps you can gradually over the next few years explain to her that uh, she cannot be liked by everybody nobody is liked by everybody i think if you explain it gently she will begin to understand that some uh, it is impossible in this world to be liked and accepted by everybody and it is not necessary to be liked and accepted by everybody. And especially um, if you do things that are of any significance in this world, as when she grows up, uh, the more significant things you do in this world, the more you will find there are certain people who don't like what you do. Correct. And even Oprah, Uh, Mm -hmm. has people who who don't like what she does. I don't know why, but the... (laughs) I don't either.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yes, and the more successful you become, the more people you have who don't like what you do. So you have a... And I used to be... Listen, as you're describing your daughter, I used to be this little 10-year-old girl who had such a desire to please. I was always taking all of my notebook paper and giving it to everybody else, whatever I had. Even in college, nobody liked me, so I would you know, spend all my money uh, because I was working in TV from the time I was a sophomore in college. And everybody else was jealous of me uh, for having a job and, you know, and having a job on TV. And so I would take my money and buy pizzas for everybody and try to make everybody like me. And, uh, you know, listen, I hope you. I was 40 something before I figured it out, <laughs> so I hope your daughter
2: gets it before <laughs> I, then. I think some gentle explanation, uh, just a little bit here and there. Now she's 10, and then over the next few years, the behavior will continue for a while. You cannot just undo old conditioning in another person.
1: Yeah, but the pain body is I was not wanted by my father. That's what the 10 year old is yes. feeling. I was not wanted yeah. by my father.
2: Yes, yes. Yeah. And the pain body, if, if your daughter gets taken over by intense negative feelings that are out of proportion to the triggering event, which is a sign that this is the pain body. If this happens and when this happens, after I describe it in, the, in a new earth, after a pain body episode is over the next day, for example, you talk to what your daughter felt at that, that time Yesterday when you behaved in such a way, when you did this, when you said that, what did it feel like? Ask her questions about, so that she begins to put attention on her own emotions and she she Mm -hmm. can detect them. Ask questions about, after a pain body episode in your daughter, ask her what it feels like, so that the awareness grows in her of this. And next time, when it happens again, say, oh, there's the, that old thing has come back. She may even, you may even encourage her to give it a name, the pain body.
6: Mm -hmm.
2: And then she can identify it when it happens again. So gradually the child can be, instead of at the mercy of these arising emotions, the child can already learn at an early age to be there as the awareness of the emotion rather than to be taken over by the emotion.
1: Actually, I think children can learn this a lot easier yes. than adults can, because we're so overly conditioned.
2: Yes, and that should be the, one of the main things that children learn at school, but so far that's not happening.
1: Right, and also, Wendy, I might suggest this. You know, I think one of the things that would have helped me a lot, and I found this with my girls in uh, Africa uh, who come from really disadvantaged backgrounds. They are disadvantaged, and one of the things I want to teach them is a life of service you always feel better about your life when you can be of service to someone else's. And so if your mm-hmm. daughter, even at 10, is exposed to children who are less fortunate than she is, children mm-hmm. who are orphaned or abandoned or you know in poverty, I don't know what the situation is in, in Melbourne, but children who have less than she does, and she is able to see that her situation really isn't so bad and allowed to feel a sense of gratitude for who she is and where she is and what she has, and yet also empathy and compassion for people who have less than she does, I think that that will also, even at 10 years old, begin to offer some perspective for her.
2: Yes, absolutely.
6: Yes, I
1: agree. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep,
2: absolutely. Yes.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for your call. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So, Breaking Free, how do we do it? You say, How long does it take to become free of the the pain body on page 183? Tell us how long.
2: (laughs) The important question, as I say, is not how long it takes to become free of the pain body, but how long does it take for me to stop identifying with the pain body? That's because it's more important to stop identifying with it Because in one sense, you're already free. The pain body may still be there in you for a while. Mm -hmm. But when you stop identifying with it, that's freedom already.
1: You say the answer is, of course, that it depends both on the density of an individual's pain body. Some are more dense than others. Yes. As well as the degree or intensity of that individual's arising presence. Yes. So the more you're able to bring that sense of awareness, or as I said in the beginning, that that you, you who is disguised right. as awareness, that awareness is you disguised as a person, awesome. the more you can be present with that, yes, the more it dissipates.
2: Yes, It and doesn't happen instantly. No, but every time you disidentify, every time you are there as the awareness, the energy of the pain body already diminishes. So every time, there's a little bit less of it, and it's the, what happens to the energy, it's all, energy is all one, there's only one energy, oh. but it appears in different frequencies, and the pain body energy it has a certain frequency, it's contained, it's rigid, it's tight, and it becomes freed, and it contributes to the arising awareness.
1: And you say, but it's not the pain body, but identification with it that causes the suffering.
2: That's right. The pain body itself is only...
1: It has no power over it. No.
2: It's not suffering anymore when you don't identify with it. Then it's only an unpleasant feeling inside you. You can hardly call it suffering, but it's suffering when you become it or it becomes you. That's suffering.
1: It's not the pain body, but identification with the pain body that forces you to relive the past again and again and again and keeps you in a state of unconsciousness. I'm on page 183, everybody. So a more important question to ask would be, how long does it take to become free of identification? Yes,
2: that's yeah. the key. And, that, and the answer to that, of course, is it doesn't really take any time because all it requires you is to be aware at this moment as it arises. In the moment it arises, to see it and recognize it. Be the awareness for it, be the space for it, is another word, another expression we can use. Are you able to be the awareness for the pain body, to be the space for the pain body and say, ah, there it is. That means you've broken the identification. All it requires is for you to be present in the now as the awareness.
1: And to remember that the past, no matter what it is, no matter how awful it was, how horrifying, how much suffering, the past has no power over the present moment.
2: Because what arises out of the present moment is the your the dimension of consciousness that we call presence or awareness right. it's a dimension that was already there in you always but had been covered up by density of emotion and density of conditioned mind structures thinking
1: and the way you get to that is to bring yourself back to the present moment get yes. still
2: yes get still get still and then that arises that dimension that then arises is, we could call it, goes beyond who you are as a person. It is transpersonal. It is a transpersonal dimension in you. And it's the, that's the only thing that can free you from the purely personal realm, which is, has its place, but is very limited. And it's the only thing that can free you from the past and the heaviness of the past. And the past cannot prevail against it it is impossible because there is, it is the only power there is. So it is also the timeless dimension in you when we talk of presence or awareness. There is no past and future in presence or awareness.
1: I got that. When you say on the, uh, page 184, when you feel the pain body, don't fall into the error of thinking there's something wrong with you, making yourself into a problem. Yes. Because the ego loves that. Yes. Okay, the knowing needs to be followed by accepting. We talked about that a lot tonight. Anything else will obscure it. Accepting means you allow yourself to feel whatever it is you're feeling at that moment. You can't argue with what is. Well, you can, but if you do, you suffer. That's how we suffer. Through allowing, you become what you are, vast and spacious. You become whole. You're not a fragment anymore, which is how the ego perceives itself. Your true nature emerges, which is one with the nature of God. And then you say, Jesus points to this when he says, Be ye whole, even as your Father in heaven is whole. The New Testament's be perfect is a mistranslation of the original Greek word, which means whole. This is to say you don't need to become whole, but be what you already are, with or without the pain body.
2: Yes, yes. You already that.
1: Now, this brings us to the question that Denise in Michigan asks. She says, is Eckhart perfect? Eckhart, you seem to be almost perfect, although I know nobody is. Do you ever yell? Do you ever get angry or feel sad?
2: i am not perfect because the form cannot be perfect every form by the very fact that it has form is one thing but not the other so whole yes i'm i feel that i'm aligned with something far greater than the little person
1: mm-hmm. and
2: that and that is where i rest and that is wh- where inspiration comes from where the teaching arises this is presence mm-hmm. and it is it is not it goes far beyond this little person. This little person is insignificant. It doesn't matter very much to me. <laughs> so this, I don't look for perfection. <laughs> I don't look for perfection in myself because that would be terrible frustration. Mm-hmm. I do things that people perhaps would regard as not perfect. I. I
1: I'm waiting to hear.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I have a glass of wine, I drink, I like my glass of wine occasionally. I drink coffee at Starbucks almost every day. And sometimes people come up to me and say, you are drinking coffee? You shouldn't be drinking coffee. What do you need coffee for? (laughs) I say, why not? I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy all kinds of things. I don't have many negative emotions. I can't think the last time I even had a negative emotion, but it's possible. I perhaps remember maybe some years ago, yes, I was watching and (laughs) people were mistreating an animal and I suddenly felt anger. Uh So it can happen. And
1: what did you do when you felt the anger? What did you do with that anger? Did you say, oh, I'm feeling anger? You noticed the anger?
2: Yes, Mm -hmm. and the situation, somebody else interfered at that very moment. Otherwise, I had already taken steps Uh towards stopping it. And so the anger was there. I felt it, and it was in my system for a couple of minutes as a vibrational, intense vibration in the body, and then it dissipated. I let it go, like the. So duck. you
1: don't just like like little things don't upset you ever. Oh
2: no, no. I've let go. Of, I had so much of that in the past. So much suffering with all kinds of little things. Uh, it's it's not worth it.
1: Yeah, I never understand this, because I'm not, you know, I don't get triggered by, uh, you know, automobiles or driving or stuff. I never understand the people, the road rage. That's no, paid buddy, right?
2: Yes, and, and the continuous- I never understand
1: why not getting in a, not being led in a line or being cut off, why that would cause you to be so no, crazy. No,
2: I don't understand it either. But for many people, that is something, they personalize the traffic. So it's an egoic phenomenon. So when, when somebody does something, they regard it as a personal insult to them, to their dignity or whatever. Really? Uh, so, and, of course, if, if it they were... They
1: personalize the traffic. <laughs> That's interesting.
2: That's good. They, they wouldn't perhaps do it with the weather. If some hail, rains, if hail yeah. or rain hits your windscreen, then you would, perhaps you wouldn't get angry. But if a driver cuts across, then you suddenly get angry. But it's the same thing. It's just a, an energy field cutting, cutting across. Why personalize it? Mm-hmm. And I'm amazed that people suffer so much stress in traffic because if you don't react, then there's no stress. If you don't personalize other drivers right. as if they were, had some personal uh, uh, disagreement with you, it's nothing to do with you. They don't even know you. Right. If you don't personalize things, it's actually quite stress-free. Or you get stuck in traffic, and you get and people get
1: so frustrated getting yes. stuck in traffic.
2: Yes. <laughs> I know. And that can be a wonderful meditation. You yep. can't move. Why not be in the body, feel the intense alive to, aliveness in your energy field, and be yep. there. Enjoy. And everybody
1: who's listening has ever been stuck in traffic. You now, after reading the book, you know how ridiculous it is to be upset that you're stuck in traffic because there's nothing you can do to change it. So just
2: be with it. Wonderful opportunity for acceptance and surrender and a wonderful opportunity for learning dysfunction. If you observe you are not accepting and surrendering, then you can observe how dysfunction arises.
1: I love the way you answered that question from Denise in Michigan. You say you're not perfect, but you're whole.
2: Yes. So sometimes people on the spiritual path, they look for some kind of perfection. They have an image of how a perfect, uh-huh. evolved, spiritual human being behaves, and then they try to conform that to that image. It doesn't work. Uh-huh. Uh, it really accepts your own limitations,
1: accept your imperfections. Do you have no attachment to, I mean, the way you even described your body, I asked you if you had any fear of dying, and I said this later to some friends, I've never talked to anybody to whom I've asked that question and there was such definitive resoluteness about it, how you were just, like you, I really believed you when you said you had no fear. <laughs> I really believed you when you had no fear of death. Yeah. And you, you have no attachment to anything? Like, do you live in a nice house? Do you like nice things?
2: Oh yes, yes, mm-hmm. I like nice things. Now for many years I lived on a minimum because for many years I didn't have a regular job, I was mm-hmm. just doing, some occasional counselling and occasional little workshops, so for many years I lived on very very little, and uh, I enjoyed that. I later on I realized, oh, I must have lived for all those years below the poverty level, but I didn't feel that at the time. I didn't regard myself as poor. I've enjoyed every moment of it. And then now I have relative wealth, especially compared to that time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm relatively well, and I'm actually enjoying that too. I buy some nice furniture sometimes and enjoy oh. it. Uh,
1: you like nice sheets. I like nice sheets. Or yes. You care.
2: Well, I can sleep in any, but <laughs> I like nice things. Mm-hmm. Um, so. But you're not attached to them. Not. No. No. I'm not not attached. It's. I enjoy. Um, Having space around so that you don't have to listen to the neighbor's noise, that Uh is quite nice. Perhaps the greatest thing that money can buy is space around you. Uh But if you don't have it, and if you have to live with neighbor's noise, it's a great opportunity for surrendering or for telling them to shut up, but...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Do you wanna summarize? I guess you just basically did. Yes. Break free of it, lose the identification.
2: Yes, that's it, yes.
1: I'm really excited about the next chapter because the next chapter is finding who you truly are. Because even if you haven't read the rest of the book, you can start really on page 185 with finding who you truly are yeah. and then work your way backwards. It's gonna be yes. so exciting. I yes, mean,
2: I love it too. I love it. Yeah.
1: Oh, I love it when you love it. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Eckhart and I thank you all for joining us around the world. Get ready for next week's class, finding out who you truly are. If you're not who you think you are, well, then, who are you? We're going to talk about that. It's going to be so exciting (laughs) next week. Again, I thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to Super Soul Conversations, the podcast. You can follow Super Soul on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Super Soul Conversation. Thank you for listening.
5: There's a moment you realize you're ready for what's next in your career. Maybe it's when you're trying a new scone recipe and think, I could open a cafe. Or maybe you're helping a co-worker and say, I could teach a course on this. Whatever your moment is, it's never too early to plan for a career that lives longer. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. For skills training, resume tips, and job listings, visit aarp.org work.
2: Life is a highway,
0: and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mc Crispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem
5: of a detour.